Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to part four of the series that I have been doing on breaking through business growth. Now, firstly, I just want to say thanks for all the great feedback, the additional questions that I have got from everybody out there in scale-up land. This has been an interesting experiment for me personally because I wanted to run a series, if you like, for the first time on the show because I get so many questions about this entrepreneurial journey that we're in. And all we're on, depending on the phase of growth that you're experiencing in your company. And I thought, you know what, we need to kind of have some points of transition. Sometimes these are called breakpoints or inflection points. But the key thing to understand is that we all go through them. And sometimes, you know, a, a business owner can break through all of them up to this last phase that I'm going to go through today. Other times, the business stalls. And it's not to say that you have to go through all of the phases to create a stunning, even high value business. But I've looked at this through the lens of private equity, and I've looked at it through the lens that if you want to take your business all the way up to the phase where there is a natural transition for you to transfer that business on or to exit that company, this is what it looks like. So just to reiterate, we started off talking about that first phase or that first stage is the startup phase and different characteristics of what you need to do to be successful in that phase. We also discussed as to why lots of businesses never actually succeed there. Okay, And when you hear these terrible statistics of, you know, only two out of every 10 businesses survive X number of years or whatever it is, quite often it's because there are so many challenges at the early stage of a business that people simply give up or they run out of cash, those sort of things. If they are successful, they then move into that second phase, which is all about scaling up. And to be frank, that was the instigation of me starting up this podcast, you know, four or five years ago now, because I wanted to help people scale their business and really understand that just because you can create something at the very beginning in startup, you can only scale it through people, processes and systems. And a lot of people don't understand that as a leader, their identity has to shift to be successful in that phase. And a business that's scaling is not for everyone. You know, I've talked about it many, many times on the show when someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to help you help, you know, get you to help me scale my business. I often say, are you sure that's what you want to do? Because it is not an easy road. But if you want to create something that create, you know, creates for you time and money freedom, you have to go through the scaling phase. Otherwise, you can remain the bottleneck in your business. And you might even have a business that's not generating any freedom for you at all because you are the bottleneck across everything. Okay. Now, if you're successful in that second stage, you move through into the value expansion phase. And now, that stage and the stage I'm going to go through today, people get a bit confused about the handoffs. Now, value expansion, as we said, is operating more strategically. You've already got the systems and the processes in place. You've already got strong foundations. So now you want to scale using some of the techniques, some of the strategies that private equity use. The difference between value expansion and what I'm going to go through today is that you are doing some things that a strategic buyer or a financial buyer would do to you, but you're doing them, you're taking control of that before you achieve what I would call a large-scale high-value exit, okay? But the things are very, very similar. You are looking at how you can leverage debt. You're looking at how you can acquire companies. You're looking at these bigger strategic partnerships. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen once you sell your business to a private equity. So, you know, the fact that you can actually show that you can do some of those things before you have that big life-changing exit is a positive thing 
because it again is a measure or some form of identification of a de-risking of your business if someone does want to buy it in the future. Okay, so they were the first three stages of breaking through business growth, right? You know, to get to the next level. What we're going to get through today is the final stage, and this is the platforming stage. So the thing here is to think, you know, a business, when it becomes a platform, what does that mean? Okay, so the way that I I talk about this a lot is that a platform company refers to the initial acquisition made by a private equity group in a specific industry or marketplace from their fund. Okay, so think of it like this, that acquisition that they make from you, from your business as the founder, acts as the starting point for other acquisitions in the same industry, either vertically or horizontally. Okay, so the platform company creates value by facilitating exchanges between consumers and producers of goods and services. And for that to happen, there has to be a large network of users and or resources and or products on demand. Okay, now don't get too confused by this. What we're really talking about is taking what you have created, being able to transition that to another buyer, right? Another person who's going to own the company. And what they're going to do is they're going to take those foundations and they're going to scale them even further. So don't get confused about the value expansion phase. The value expansion phase is about you doing certain things to increase the value and demonstrating that your business can become a platform. When you go into this final stage, when you break through this final stage, you are becoming the platform. Now, from that, right, and I'll, and I'll talk about this for a second because it's super important. A lot of people say, oh, what about IPOing? You know, that's platforming. It's different. Now, what I often say is that if your business is going to eventually be sold, you know, on the public market, it's going to list, it quite often has gone through phases of private investment before it has the capability or, or the quite, you know, infrastructure, the maturity to some extent to do that. So depending on what you want to do, I often say a high value exit is first going to be achieved when you platform or have the ability to platform to private equity because most of those transactions happen initially in the mid-market and they are, you know, check sizes, if you like, of anywhere between 50 million to 250, quite often up to $300 million, right? And that's a big exit for most people, you know, having 50 million in your bank account, you know, the, the next day after selling a company is pretty cool, right? And then eventually, you know, that private equity firm is going to scale your business even further because it's the platform. They're going to bolt other things onto it and they're going to sell up the chain to potentially another private equity firm. And they might, if the business continues to grow and scale from there, they might even um, um, consider a public listing of that business once it gets to the right stage um, within its life cycle to do so. So from my lens, I'm not going to go all the way through to that because I'm more interested in working with founders and entrepreneurs who are looking to build their business up to that platform capability. Okay, so what I want to go through today is just, you know, really the characteristics of what a platform company is so that as you are going through the scaling and the value expansion phase, you can start to have an eye on the future about what, you know, your platform company could be. And to be clear, Just because I said beforehand, a platform is often the first acquisition made by a private equity firm in an industry or a market. It doesn't mean that you building a business that gets bolted on. In fact, you may not be the platform. You might be the bolt on acquisition to a platform. A lot of the characteristics are still super important if you are going to get the highest possible valuation when you you get to that point. Okay. First thing. The first characteristic, and I've said this a lot, it sits across all the phases. There are nuances across these phases, is a strong and experienced management team. 
Okay, so a platform company must employ and have a strong and experienced management team that can steer the company forward and drive growth. Okay, so private equity firms in particular look for executives with a proven track record in a specific industry and possess the ability to direct the operations of the company effectively moving forward. Okay, now quite often, you know, people retire when exits happen and things like that. There are different things that go on. That's why you have to have a strong and experienced management team, I believe, two layers deep. So two layers deep of succession. What that looks like in practicality is you might have the CEO, you might have the COO, you might have someone who's up and coming from the management layer, but you need to show those points of succession to be able to prove that the business can continue to grow into the future. Okay. Second thing, quite often a platform is the top player within its industry. It doesn't have to be necessarily the number one in the market, but it has to be certainly in the top three. And private equity groups prefer investing in platform companies that are very, very strong in specific niche markets. Okay, so the reason for that is most of these companies employ innovative systems. It gives them a competitive advantage. Uh, It allows them to maintain a strong level of performance within their market. It allows them to attract the highest quality of people. Okay, and, you know, when one of these companies is purchased by a private equity firm, they find that it's easier to to bring complementary add on acquisitions to make the company more profitable and even more dominant in its industry. And I can talk a lot about this from my experience at Getty, Getty Images, because we were absolutely the top player in our industry. We were a behemoth within stock photography and video content and that sort of thing. And of course, when a private equity firm acquired us, they knew that all they had to do was just buy everything else up and bring all that content into this and make us bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it almost became a monopoly in terms of how powerful we were. Okay, But we were already the top player before that really started to happen. The last piece, which aligns a little bit to you know having strong people across and through your business is well-defined systems. So when a private equity firm is looking at a platform, they are analyzing you know, potential companies against a predetermined investment criteria. Typically, that investment criteria may compromise geographical location, EBITDA or net profit performance, the industry we spoke about before and the dynamics of the industry, positive cash flows and the potential for growth. So if a company that's identified as being a platform has well-defined systems, those systems have to match the acquirer's investment criteria. So the way to look at this is when someone comes in and starts doing due diligence on your business, when you're at the stage where you're being evaluated for exit, they are assessing all of these different systems. By that, it's not just about having a a piece of technology. We're talking about the way finance works, the way leads are brought into your business, the way you convert uh, leads to customers, the way you drive operational precision across the business to, to influence your efficiency and your effectiveness driving your EBITDA. All of those things are looked at. When, they're, when you are being evaluated around that. Now, I'm working with a, a company right now. Won't say who it is, won't say what industry it is. You know, I like to be confidential, but it is beautifully built from a systems standpoint. So when you compare it to everyone else within other companies, for example, within the, the, the niche or the market it's in, it stands out as being really, really strong. And so therefore, it's being considered a platform purely by the fact that what they've built the way they run the company is substantially different from what everyone else is expecting and therefore it's going to um, be able to be sold for a higher premium versus everyone else that is out there, okay? It's important for me to say here because sometimes if I say platform, people think, oh, it's a piece of technology or software. 
We're not talking about that. Okay, so platform in this context is not technology or pieces of software. It's not websites, mobile apps. Okay, these technologies do not have the characteristics of a platform company that creates value by allowing exchanges between consumers and producers. Okay, so that's what we're thinking about. Okay, so it's also not um, things that are what I call linear business models because they follow sort of supply chain. Okay, the operations of any supply chain businesses involve creating value in the form of products and services that are sold to consumers in lower classes of the supply chain. So therefore, they are more commoditized businesses. We're looking at businesses that, you know, can operate more broadly across multiple areas. Remember the point I made of linking or the exchanges between consumers and producers. Okay, so let me give you some examples of really strong platform companies. And these are kind of more like business models, right? Um, Payment platforms. Okay, a payment platform that offers peer-to-peer or sort of business-to-consumer payment services, you know, they are fantastic platforms to scale from because consumers can use these platforms to receive payments. Things can be spread broadly. You can introduce new different types of products and services into that. Social networks, believe it or not, are good platforms, okay, because of the interactions and the quality of those interactions between friends, colleagues, workmates, all those sort of things. And if you think about that, you're leveraging the fact that the relationship exists to be able to scale other products and services within those social networks, okay? Big one in the e-commerce space is product marketplaces, you know, where there's already an exchange happening and, you know, that's done potentially through a platform that's technology-driven. So this is where you might have some area there where buyers and sellers from different geography locations can transact without requiring any face-to-face interaction. Those are really, really strong platforms because, again, you can scale them by introducing new products or services or new geographies, new new broadness of, of clients or customers. And then you've got, you know, service marketplaces as well. Very similar to product marketplaces, but you are looking at the services between buyers and sellers. And, you know, there are things like legal services, you know, architecture, marketing, bookkeeping, interior design, graphic design, academic research, but the same sort of thing. It's a marketplace. Not every platform has to be that, okay? A platform can still be just the company that is absolutely doing fantastic things within, you know, its certain market. But it's important to have a look at the um, the areas where certainly the private equity guys are looking because that's where they are seeing where the value is. And what I want to finish by saying here is, you know, platforming is really about the scalability of the business model, okay? When someone looks at it, what else can be done with it? And if you ever get into, and I hope you do, I hope you do get to the point where you are negotiating one day with a private equity firm or a number of them, they're going to be looking at it through the idea of can your business, you know, do more things? Can it platform? Quite often that is the question that's being asked. And if you've built the right team, the right processes, the right systems, you've used technology where it makes sense, and you've proven that the business can do even one thing brilliantly within a certain market or geography, but the the underlying systems of the operation can scale into different areas, then you have a very, very valuable asset, and you have something that A, is or could be the platform, but is also going to sell for a high multiple, Okay. So I'm going to pause there because there is a lot in this. You know, if you think about where we started this journey, we started with startup, right? You know, that was about product market fit and all these sort of things. As you start to build up now to a platform, you're talking about the scalability of that into the future, right? Possibly into multiple sales of your company in the future, and you may not even participate in all of them. But what I like about this whole model, this whole world that I kind of exist in really, is that Someone can create something that solves a problem. They can take it to a certain level. 
they can then you know exit themselves from the business and be paid handsomely for the for the work that they've done taking that business to that level but then that business might continue into the future into the future into the future and might become a huge company and that initial founder doesn't have to be involved all the way through the journey and i think it's an important thing for business owners to realize that you know we start our businesses to solve a problem to change our lives to create freedom to make money maybe to build generational wealth it doesn't mean we have to be there all the way through to the end what we do need to be clear on though is that we're building something that gives us the lifestyle the freedom the impact that we want to make Okay, and these phases, if you like, these inflection points or these these phases of growth, you make the choice where you jump in, where you jump off, and you know, kind of what you want to get out of it. Okay, that's the key piece. All right, so I'll finish there. I hope you've enjoyed this series, really. It's really me taking you through the journey, really how a private equity firm looks at this through that lens, you know, all the way from startup to platforming. But as you're on that journey, what I want you to do is see where you're at, you know, have a think about where you're at and also where you think you want to get to. Okay, as I said, not every exit has to be a sale of your business. It can be just exiting yourself from the operation. But I want to give you the flexibility and the options so you can make that choice. All right, I'll leave it there for today. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, Click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.